So we are, what, three weeks, uh, about three weeks from Christmas? Uh, that is unreal, which means we are four weeks to the, until the end of the year, a little over. And uh, it is hard to believe, it's hard to imagine where 2018 has just flown by. And so, but for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at, uh, every year we try to do a, a Christmas series. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to begin to look at a passage of Scripture, or actually a verse of Scripture, found in uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. And it says, Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. As a follower of Christ, if you are a follower of Christ, it's easy to believe that God is with us when things are good. When you're on the mountaintop, when you have that, that mountaintop experience and just everything is just rainbows and everything is just going along just great, it's easy to believe that God is with us. Maybe you get really good news. You say, yeah, man, God is on my side. You get a raise. Maybe if you have a newborn, maybe that baby sleeps through the night for the first time. Maybe your football team wins. Your basketball team wins. Unless you're a Kentucky fan yesterday. Just had to go there, didn't I? Sorry. Maybe you're at the mall and you get a good parking spot. And you think, yes, God is on my side. If you get a good parking spot at the mall this time of year, you, God is on your side because it's almost impossible. But what I'm saying is it is easy to sense the presence of God when things are good. But sometimes, most of the time, almost all of the time, it is more difficult to sense His presence when you're in the valley. When things maybe aren't going the way that you want them to. Maybe instead of getting good news, you get bad news. There are times in our life when we're hurting. When we feel alone. When we feel betrayed. When we feel worried. When we feel afraid. When you're battling depression. All of these things are real things that every one of us face. And when we're going through those things, even as a follower of Christ, sometimes it is very difficult to realize that God is with us. So today I want to look at and talk about God in the valleys. God in the the valleys. You see, so often, life can be going really well. Things can just be flying along, and then all of a sudden, something happens. Something happens that brings you to your knees. Something happens that you come crashing down. Just out of the blue. You think everything's going great. You're following this path, and you believe, okay, God is directing my steps. And then all of a sudden, something happens. And in that moment, in that time, it is very easy to forget God is God in the valleys. 
I was thinking back in, about times in, in Christian and I's life where things seemed to be going just great. Everything just seemed to be going awesome. We had, you know how you do, we were just freshly out of college, and we had started mapping out the way that, that we thought our life should go, and, and everything seemed to be falling into place. I had finished my degree with, uh, in pastoral ministry, and I thought, you know, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go get a job. I'm going to get paid to work two days a week. You didn't laugh. If you believe that. But I'm thinking that's, that's what's going to happen. So we get a phone call from this awesome pastor. He said, I've got a position. I need a youth pastor. I was young back then. I liked youth. I still do. He said, I've got an awesome position. And that, that, that pastor just happened to be my father-in-law, Mount Union, Pennsylvania. And I thought, this is it. Christy had been away from home for a long time at that point. And I thought she would get to go back to where her sister lives and, and where her mom and dad are. And, and, um, and, and it, okay, God, this is it. And I thought, it's a slam dunk. He's the pastor. And then all of a sudden... They didn't want me, not the pastor. I mean, who wouldn't want us? And so here we are, and we think we've got this all lined out. I'm working a, a, a computer job that, you know, it was just I was just buying my time. It didn't work out. And I thought, now here's an opportunity, God. I'm going to be learning from a great leader. I'm going to be getting a position doing what I want to do. They said no. So everything was going along. We thought, this is it. This is the answer. We were on cloud nine. And then all of a sudden, something came in and stole everything that we thought. All that hope and hope that we've been hoping for. And so now, instead of working, doing what I wanted to do, I found myself making calls for people who owed money to King's daughter living in Charleston. You know, one of those annoying people that you see on your phone when you owe somebody and it's all of a sudden you just, you see it and you put it in your pocket. That was me. I paid a billion dollars to have a pastoral ministry degree, degree. And here I am. Having to, I had to come up with a different name so people wouldn't hunt me down in the parking lot. Devastated. Stole everything that I'd been hoping for. Some of you, you may be there right now. You may be going through, and marriage, your marriage may have been going good. Everything was just flying along, and then all of a sudden, something happens. You're no longer on the mountaintop. You're in the valley. You can have your life planned out and you can think, this is, this is everything's going great. Okay, I, I'm finally on my way. My destination, I can see it. 
You're on that mountaintop and you can see where you're going. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you're in the valley. You think, man, I'm starting to finally get ahead on my bills. I'm finally getting some of this stuff paid off. I'm getting to work extra hours. I'm getting overtime. And then all of a sudden, overtime stops. You think my health is finally doing good or I'm doing great. And then all of a sudden, you get a bad doctor's report. Things happen in your life that take you to the valley and you ask yourself the question, where is God in the valleys? Where is God in the valleys? And when we begin to look at Scripture, the valley represents several different things. In the valleys, it was often where the battles would take place. And you may be in the battle of your life right now in a valley. In the Bible, valleys were seasons of depression. They were seasons of loneliness. But they also can be a season of growth. They can also be a time that can help you enjoy God when you get back to that mountaintop. You see, you experience God different in the valley. You experience Him different in the valley. We may enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know Him intimately in the valleys. We may know Him and enjoy Him when times are really, really good. But we get to know Him in a different way when we're in that valley. This morning I want to look at a text in the Old Testament found in Psalms chapter 84 verse 5. And there it says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. What they're talking about here, if you begin to to read this passage of Scripture, it's talking about going through the valley of Baca. And in the Bible, it was most likely related to a tree. A tree that would ooze out sap. And people would walk up to, to trees like that and they would call them a weeper. Because it looked like the tree was crying. And that's translated in in different ways in the Bible. Some say it's a a valley of tears, or a valley of mourning, or a valley of loss. You see, any time you see a valley in the Bible, we're reminded that it's a place that's very dangerous. It's a place where there's thorns and and wild animals and and robbers. Things that, that were difficult to navigate through without something bad happening. Anybody ever been through a valley? But this passage of Scripture says, Blessed are those whose strength is found in themselves. No, it says, Blessed are those whose strength is found in God. If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Christ, you do not know Him intimately. And there's times that that you may say, I've had enough. I can't do this anymore. 
I am overwhelmed. I'm exhausted. I just don't have enough. I don't have what it takes. And if you're not a follower of Christ, I would tell you that that is true. The truth is, is really all you have is you. But as Christ followers, when we make that decision... To follow after Christ, we believe that we have found a strength that goes beyond what is in us. A strength that goes beyond what we have. We have access to a heavenly strength. And when we get to the end of our strength, there's a heavenly strength. A divine strength. A strength that is available to those Who know Him. Over the past five or six months, I don't even know how long it's been now, but we began to work on relocating. We began to work on taking what we have here, moving it to Blackburn Avenue. And when we first purchased that building, there was so much stuff. And you're going to learn very quickly that nothing is a level there. Nothing. Not the walls. No, I'm talking about you can't walk in on level ground. And there were things that, that were up on the third floor that we'd have to carry out. And there were things that we needed to get to the third floor. There was some drywall that, that had been left up on the third floor. We needed it in the basement. The problem was the shortest distance to get it there was a staircase that went like this. There was no way to get a a, a 10-foot sheet of drywall without breaking it in half down that stairwell. So we had to pick it up and carry it all the way down, all the way down more steps, all the way down more steps into the basement. Now you may find this surprising, But I did that about one time. And some people were ambitious. Oh, we can take two at a time. I was like, you're crazy. I did it one time. And then I got smart. I would find somebody who that would walk beside me carrying my end of the sheetrock. I didn't care about that other person on the other end. They needed to work out. Because about halfway down that first time, my arms started getting weak. My back started hurting. I know you find that hard to believe. But what I did after I got smart was I found somebody to go with me so that I could just sort of put a finger on it. Wanted to make it look real good. Pastor's doing his part. But when I got tired, I would even take that one finger off. I'd be walking like this. They're on the other side. They can't see me. But I'm letting that person, because my strength was gone. But I had somebody that was walking beside me that had more strength than I did. That was hard to find, but we found them. When I hit the end of my strength, 
I had somebody there that could pick up my slack. And the same can be said about us as Christians. There's going to be times that, that we are done. We are finished. We can't take another step. We can't carry one more piece of drywall. But we've got a Heavenly Father that our strength is found in Him. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, And He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And when you're in the middle of your valley, I want to remind you this morning that as a follower of Christ, you have access to a very real, ever-present power of a good God to assist you in the time of need. It doesn't say blessed are those who make it in on their own. It doesn't say blessed are those who pull themselves up by their bootstraps. It doesn't say blessed are those who are really determined. Today's society and people have made billions of dollars on self-help books. Wanting us to believe that we can do it ourselves. Wanting us to, to discredit and wanting to discredit the power of a heavenly father whose strength we have access to. We have a spirit of, of independence. We think it's great when we can say, I don't need anyone. We don't want to trust people. We think it's awesome. I can make it on my own. I don't need God. I don't need anyone. I am self-sufficient. Let me remind you that we were not created to be independent beings. We were created by a God who loved us to depend on Him and to depend on others. Blessed is what you will become when you realize you have a power greater than yourself. You need to admit it. You need to lean into it. You need to realize that I can't do this on my own. I don't want to do this on my own. Could I have finished carrying that drywall? Probably. I didn't want to. I wanted to be blessed. I wanted to be able to walk the next day. But the faster we can realize that, the faster that I realize that I'm not 20 anymore, the faster I realize that I'm not 40 anymore, I'm stopping right there. But when we realize that we need His presence, we need His strength. Go back to Psalms chapter 84, verse 5. It says, Whose, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. What was it talking about here? They were on their way through the Valley of Tears to Jerusalem, the city of refuge, the place that they called the, the city of peace. But in order to get to that city, they had to go through this valley. Let that sink in a minute. 
in order to get to a city of refuge, a city of peace, they had to go through the valley of tears. And sometimes for us to get to where we really appreciate the presence of God, we're going to have to push through some pain. Sometimes we're going to have to realize and understand that that valley, that valley of mourning, that valley of tears, that valley of frustration is the pathway to our peace. The pathway to our peace. Another translation says in this verse, those who have their minds set who have their minds set on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Can I tell you that what you think about makes a difference? What you have your mind on makes a difference. It matters. So I want you to think about that passage that, that, where it says, who have their minds set? Who have their mindset? Colossians chapter 3 verse 2 says this. Set your mind on things above and not things on the earth. Wouldn't that be awesome? If we could learn to do that. If we could stop setting our minds on our pain and our sorrow and the things that we are going through and, and do as suggested here and to set our minds on things above to set our mind on that city of refuge that city of peace, the place that, that we are looking at, the place that we're trying to get to, instead of looking at everything around us. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Paul says, now dear, uh, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about Things that are excellent and worthy of praise. How many of you would say that you came in here this morning, that you woke up this morning doing this? Probably very few of us. Probably a lot of us were thinking about everything that we are going through. Because it's real, right? What we're going through is real. We're thinking about, man, am I going to have enough money to pay for the Christmas presents. Some of us are thinking, do I have enough room on my credit card before the decline comes out when it's swiped to get through Christmas? We're just being real. Some of us are thinking, do I have enough patience with my kids that they're going to make it to Christmas? We've got teachers here. You're thinking... Are my students going to make it through these next two weeks of school without me killing them? The court case probably wouldn't be too good, go too well for you. Don't do it. Where you are is one thing. The valley is real. But what you think about is completely different. Have you ever been around somebody that you didn't want to be around? Don't look at your neighbor. 
especially if you're married to them. That wouldn't end well either. But those people that when they're going through something, they want you to know that they're going through something. Maybe you're one of those people. Maybe you have a hard time setting your mind on things above. Maybe you have a hard time setting your mind on the good, the pure, the lovely. Maybe you're so focused on the valleys. And even though your current situation may be the valley, you can set your mind on God. Even though your heart might be racing, your mind can be set. Even though your soul might be aching, your mind can be set. Even though your emotions may be out of control, your mind can be fixed toward God. You may say, I've got too much to do over the next two weeks before the end of this year. Listen, I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. Those of you who know me the best know that it takes quite a bit to stress me out. Sometimes I believe my wife would, look at, would like to look at me and say, get stressed a little bit. Because it takes a lot to get me stressed out. But dealing with this move, I begin to look at everything that, and we were pushing, we were saying, man, we're going to try to, I would love for the, our first, we've talked about this, you know, it's went from August November, January, I was thinking, man, I would love for our first service to be the first Sunday of the new year. Wouldn't that be awesome? I begin to look at it. I walk around that building. With every step, I'd get more stressed. Knowing that if I wanted it to happen, I was going to have to start carrying drywall. Now we're to March. But we can begin to look at our situation and become so stressed, so tore up, that we can forget that God is God in the valleys. I can take my mind off how that God has directed this from day one. The things that have happened to put us in that neighborhood. Those are the things that were true and honorable and right and pure and lovely. But I could take my mind off of that and I could see 7,000 square feet of the basement of plaster. Stink. And then right when you think you're making progress, you start getting carpet laid on the outside. They find that the sewer pipe's falling apart. Now to get into the basement, you have to walk across a mound of dirt that you get on your shoes, and then you walk on the carpet that you've had laid because you thought you were making progress. This is therapeutic for me. 
But it's easy for me to take my mind off of where we're going. It's easy, easy for me to start focusing on that every time I turn around, somebody's wanting to check. It's easy for me to get that, forget that God is with me. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says this. You, dear children, are from God, and you have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Put that verse on your heart. Put it in your mind. Write it down. Put it on your refrigerator, right beside the calendar of events. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29 says this. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of of the weak. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Sometimes we just need to admit that we're weak. And we need to realize that when I can't make it, His power is real. That I'm on a journey, but the valley isn't my destination. It's somewhere that I'm just passing through. Very familiar passage of scripture that we learned probably when we were very small. Found in Psalms chapter 23 verse 4. That says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I I will fear no evil for you are with me. You may be in a difficult time, but God's with you. You may be going through the valley of tears, the valley of mourning, the valley of weeping, the valley of frustration, but God is with you. God is going to get you through it. You might be hurting, but it's not going to last forever. You might be in a, a dark place, but there's light in that dark place. You're just passing through. But the problem is, is when we're in the middle of it, we just want out. When we're in the middle of it, God, make it stop. God, get me out. I don't want this anymore. God, take it away. And many times the, the way, unfortunately, is not out of the valley, but it's through the valley. David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It says, when they pass through the valley of Abaca, they make it a place of springs. The King James Version actually says, they make it a well. And can I suggest to you this morning that when you're in a dry place, when you're in the valley, you need to dig a well. What are you saying? I'm saying you need to begin to prepare yourself for what God's going to send your way. You need to to make room for the presence of God. You may be in a dry place right now. But if you begin to focus on Him and set your mind on Him and make room for the presence of God so that He can pour out a blessing... You say, but it hasn't rained yet. I'm in that valley where it's dry. And I'm 
thirsty. But I'm telling you, if you will begin to set your mind on Him and make room for the provision from God. I believe sometimes God looks at us and says, show me your faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. Jesus had that philosophy. Jesus had that philosophy. The guy with the withered hand, he didn't just say, you're healed. What did he say? He said, stretch out your hand. Show me your faith, and I will show you my faithfulness. The man who had laid lame for 38 years, he didn't just touch him, and all of a sudden, he looked at him, and he said, take up your mat. Show me you believe that I can make you walk. I believe that if we will dig a well, that God will fill it. If you begin to plant seed, He will grow it. You have to plant that seed before you see the harvest. And if you'll dig it, if you'll prepare it, then God will reveal Himself to you. The Bible tells us in James chapter 4 verse 8 that if we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. You may be someone here this morning and and you may have not sensed His presence in a long time. You may feel dry. But He promises if you seek Me, you'll find Me. You're here this morning and you need an encounter with God. But you see, God rarely reveals Himself to people who are rushed. If you think about Moses and, and the burning bush... Moses didn't fly by at 75 miles an hour and say, hey, look, there's a burning bush. Let's take a picture and put it on Snapchat. He said, Moses, stop. Take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. Moses, stay a while. Stay in my presence. Be still and know that I am God. God never promised us that we wouldn't go through the valley. But he did promise us that he would meet us there. Can you go back to Matthew, the first verse? What we're basing this series on? Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Look, the virgin will conceive a son, a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. God is with you. As they come to the music, I'm I'm not done, but I'm done. Not because the clock says 11.57, but because I believe that There are people here right now who need to know that God is with you. Me speaking for another 10 minutes, trying to get through where I was going, probably not going to change a thing. You've heard me talk long enough because guess what? I can't change it. 
as eloquent as my words are, I can't change it. As much as I would like to, I know some of your stories. I know some of the situations you're going through. My heart breaks. My heart hurts. Because that's what we're about here. We absolutely live on the story, on the scripture that we hurt with those who hurt. I know your story. Other people may not, but maybe I do. And as much as I would like to come up to you and say, it's fixed. All I can do under the conviction and the power of the Holy Spirit is convey to you that I can't, but God can. I can't, but God can. All I can convey to you is, yea, though I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I can convey to you is the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call his name Emmanuel which means God is with us in the middle of your hurt in the middle of your pain in the middle of your valley God is with you with every head bowed You might be here this morning. Let me rephrase that. I know you're here this morning. And I know that you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. It may not be physical death, but to you it's death. To you it's traumatic. And there's no getting around the fact that it's real. You have two choices. You can get in the middle of that valley. You can sit down. You can give up. You can get in that valley and you can start looking at everything that's going wrong and everything that you're facing and everything that you're up against and set your mind on those things. Or, curtain number two, says that you can realize that your strength is not in your own. And you can realize that God can take you from strength to strength, from victory to victory, that God can get you through it. And you can learn to praise Him in the valley so that you can enjoy Him more on the mountaintop. Because I can tell you, when you get through that valley, when you walk through that valley and you keep your mindset on Him and you get through it, 
You're going to get to that mountaintop and you're going to turn around and you're going to see what you came through and you're going to know that it wasn't your strength that got you through it. So your praise is going to be more. You're going to realize that God is the only way that you got there. And your praise is going to be greater. And the next time you go through a valley, you say there's more than one always. The next time you go through the valley, you're going to be able to look. And even though you really, sometimes it's easy to forget the other valley because you got mountaintops on both sides. Your mind's going to say, hey, God brought me through the last valley. I have confidence in knowing that I can walk through this valley too with him. So you're here this morning, and you're in a valley, but you say, Pastor, I don't want to give up. I don't want to set my mind on that. I want God. And I want to come to the realization that God is with me. Emmanuel, God is with us. If that's you, I want you to slip up your hand all across this building. Thank you. Thank you all across this building because I can promise you that we are going through stuff and the enemy wants you to look at all the stuff but God says take your eyes off of that and fix your eyes on me as everybody stands to your feet